open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This morning, uh, we get to discuss the topic of parenting. It was Good Friday uh, six years ago. I was, at the time, the pastor of our Sending Church Gospel City, and I was at the church serving for the service on that particular Good Friday, and I got a call from my wife, Nikki, and, and immediately I could tell that something was wrong. And so I talked with the executive pastor, and he graciously allowed me to attend to the needs of my family. And so uh, our house was about five minutes away, and got in the car, took off, got home as quick as I could. And I won't ever forget the scene that I walked into on that Good Friday. At the time, the twins, uh, we have, so we have twins, are the youngest, they're seven now, but at the time, uh, Hudson and Harper were one, and they shared a room together, and during nap time on that day, Hudson decided that he wanted to become an artist. You might see where this is going. You see, he had pooped in his diaper, and he found out that that makes great paint, and so he began to spread it all over the place. Our light-colored walls smeared everywhere. The crib spindles covered in poop. The mattress destroyed. The sheets, the blankets, the pillow. But it didn't stop there. At this time, he was old enough to climb out of his crib. And so he decided the carpet needed a little help. And he began to spread it all over the carpet. <laughs> what do you do when you encounter that? What do you go after first? <laughs> Thankfully, uh, we had a guy who owned a business and they cleaned carpets. And so he was able to steam clean the carpets. We got everything cleaned up. But here's what I've learned in, in, my, in, our, in my 17 years of parenting. Those early years were easy. Can I get an amen? That was, that was easy. As my kids have gotten older, now thankfully there's no more poop spreading going on, but I've learned that the greatest gift, the greatest need, I should say, that my kids have is learning to obey their God-given authority. And along with that, I've learned the significance and the importance that we as parents play in this role. It is critical that our kids understand the necessity to obey. And that leads us here to Ephesians chapter 6. So let me invite you to look there now as I read, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for the way that you have given us your word. God, you've not left us on our own. And Lord, I just want to first just pray for, the, for those in the room who maybe 
deeply struggling with this day. Father, perhaps there are some here who did not have a good, loving, earthly mother, and, and so this just brings pain in their life when they think about it. I, I pray that you would point them to you in this time. Lord, perhaps there are some here who are experiencing their first Mother's Day with mom no longer being with us. God, that you would comfort them with the only comfort that can be offered in these times, comfort from you, Lord. God, I pray for those in the room who are desiring to be a mom, or for whatever reason the door hasn't opened for them, Lord, would you remind them, remind us all, our significance is found in Christ alone. And Lord, as we, as we dive into this critical role of parenting, would you give us great wisdom? Lord, would you lead us to a place of dependence on you and desperation? Would you convict us where we need to be convicted? Would you encourage us where we need to be con- encouraged, Lord? And I pray that we, you would open our eyes, that we would behold wondrous things out of your word. God, we desperately need you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we look deeper into this text, let me first make an observation. These first three verses, who are they addressed to? Children. I mean, what do I take away from that? So, so Ephesians, if you, if you may be new to church, maybe don't understand, what, what is this book of Ephesians? This was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And he's aware and very much understanding that children are a part of the community of God. When this letter would have been read to the people, children would have been present. They didn't take them off somewhere else as if this didn't matter. It was, this was significant. Paul understood children were, are part of the body of Christ. This is why, you know, I love having kids involved in our church I love having kids' ministry available because we believe that they need to hear the gospel and having other people influence them in, that are in the kingdom, super beneficial. That's why for me, I, I want to be careful that we're not uh, keeping children from being a part of this. For those of you who choose to have your kids in here, what a grace. Certainly there are times where that might be a distraction, we pull them out, but I, I love having kids involved. I, I love when we gather for prayer and when Parents are willing to bring their children, even if they might be a little distracting, because it's important that our kids see us pursuing the Lord. We we are desperate for Him, and if they never see it, they never learn. They don't learn how to interact with other believers. They They don't learn how to pray. And so children are very much a part of the community, the family of God. After all, what did Jesus tell the disciples when they were scolding the children and they were trying to chase them away? Jesus said, let the little children come to me. God loves children, and so should we. Now, as we move through this text, I I want to point out that even though Paul is addressing children here, I will be focusing primarily on parents. And there are three main thoughts I want to discuss in the text when it comes to parenting. Here's the first one. Expect your children to honor you. Expect your children to honor you. Look again at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father 
and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. One thing that we should point out right away is, does verse 2 look familiar to you? Have you seen that somewhere else? This, this is straight out of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Paul is quoting the fifth commandment that was given to Moses. You know, one thing that I've observed in, amongst some Christians is that sometimes they, they try to immediately just do away with the Old Testament. As if it has no value to us anymore. As if, as if it's old news. Like, that's old stuff. Like, Jesus came in and he got rid of the law. So we don't really need to worry about the law anymore. Well, as we look at this, I would beg to differ with you. In fact, Jesus himself didn't come and say, hey, forget about the law. I've come and I've done away with it. You don't, don't even worry about it anymore. No, no. In, in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said that he came, he didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill the law. Certainly, we must understand that we are no longer held to fulfill it in our own strength, but that doesn't make the law bad. The, the law is actually quite good, and it's beneficial for us. When we look at the Ten Commandments, these are still things that we are called to live by. And because of the fact that he quotes that this is part of the Ten Commandments, it puts a big weight on it. Honoring our parents is a big deal in the eyes of God. In fact, learning to obey and honor or not to obey and honor will affect the rest of our lives. And parents, you play a major part in your kids' lives. Moms and dads, you must lay out the expectation for your children to honor you. So what does it exactly mean to honor? To honor means to bring recognition to. It means to, to respect. There's a sort of reverence that we are to give our parents. Now, now, would you agree that as we look into the world, there's not a whole lot of respect and honor given to the elderly? That's what I behold. Parents, this is a weight that we must take upon ourselves when it comes to parenting. Think of it this way. Do you realize you are the first interaction that your kids have with authority? In a real sense, we are, rep we are a representation of God to our children. Dads, you are a re representation of your heavenly father to your kids. One reason why a lot of people grow up and hate God is because they had a horrible heavenly father and they can't grasp and, and concept the fact that there is a loving God out there in light of their horrific father. You are a representation and it is absolutely vital for the future of your children as we will see in a minute, that they learn to respect their authorities that God has placed over them. And as they grow, they will carry on what they have learned in regards to authority. Now, as you, as you look out in the world, 
you will see a lack of respect for authority figures. And, and to, be, to be honest, I think this is one of the greatest problems that we have in our country today. From time to time, uh, you guys like watching like real crime shows, like not, not like, not like, uh, like real stuff, like it's real people, they're interacting like cops, remember growing up. Well, this one show that recently our family has been watching is when they follow those at airport security. You know, they're trying to, they got the dogs, they're trying to track people for drugs and illegal firearms. And it, it just astounds me how disrespectful people can be to security in these places. And, and look at often how policemen are treated by the world. There, there is so much disrespect. Now listen, ultimately, when we go before God in judgment, we will have to give an account for our own lives and what we do. However, I still think that what is much of the blame, who does much of the blame go to when it comes to, to adults who are raised and, and live such rebellious life? I really think a lot of it comes back to bad parenting. Parents who have raised their children in such a way that there is no respect for authority. Now, this is not true across the board. Our kids will make the ultimate decision However, it is our job when they are in our homes to expect our kids to honor us. Listen, we must understand too that kids won't accidentally become obedient. <laughs> all right, we don't stumble into, oh, look, I obeyed all of a sudden. Apart from God doing this drastic, amazing work, it takes effort to help teach our kids how to obey. So let's just, let me define obedience for you. So I like thinking of obedience in this way. Obedience is doing what you are told to do when you are told to do it with a right heart attitude. Now, that's hard for little ones to memorize. And so when our kids were younger, we would say this. Uh, obeying is doing what you're told to do, is, is obeying right away. So you're doing exactly right when I tell you you're doing it right away all the way, so you're doing everything that you're asked to do with a happier heart. All the way, right away, with a happy heart. That's, that's what obedience is. So let me ask you, do you expect your children to obey this way? If you ask your child to clean their room and they mope the whole way down to their room, but then they clean it, have they obeyed? No. If you ask them to clean it and they cheerfully say, sure thing, and then they never clean it, have they obeyed? No. If they cheerfully respond, yes, I'll do it, and they clean it halfway and leave the rest of the room dirty, have they obeyed? No. Parents, we must teach our children to honor and obey us. Otherwise, we are setting them up to fail in life. You know, oftentimes, children don't obey because we are failing to hold them to that standard. So the question comes, when they don't obey, how then are we to respond? When they fail to obey, there must be consequences. There is a price to pay for their disobedience. Now, there are different philosophies out there. Some people believe spanking your child is child abuse, and certainly there are times where that can be. But I, I read this in Proverbs 13, 24, not sure how else rather to 
interpret the word the rod. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. You see that? If you fail to discipline your son, now listen, if, if you have the philosophy where I'd rather, I'd rather ground than spank, that's fine. That's your, that's your preference. But there should be a consequence to the sin. And if you don't discipline your children when they don't obey, obey you, you hate them. You are training them up to realize there's no consequence for your sin. What, what's the biggest problem that people have of coming to Christ? Do I really need him? Not that bad. There's a consequence for our sins, and we are called to discipline them if we love them. He who loves his son or his daughter is diligent to discipline them. I want you to turn with me here real quick to Hebrews chapter 12. So this is just towards the back of your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 12. Not only is this... uh, discipline have to do with earthly parenting, but this is the way God treats his children as well. And and this is a very loving thing for God to do. Imagine if God was just like interpreted love, like many people interpret love as making it easy as possible for you to live. No consequences, just all the good stuff in life. That's not love at all. The father loves his children and will discipline them as we'll see. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Who's he talking about there? Christ. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? This is a quote from Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, he, when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. That goes back to Proverbs 13, 24. If he didn't discipline us, he hates us. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. What's the point of discipline? It's not punishment. The point of discipline is holiness. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen, your, your children don't come to you after their discipline and say, oh, thank you. That was amazing. <laughs> that felt so good. Man, I am so refreshed by this discipline. No. For the moment, it seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields a fruitful life. Parents, we must expect our children to honor us. Now, before we move on, I want to say something to the children in the room. Notice again in 
Ephesians chapter 6. How are we to obey? What is that phrase there in verse 1 that tells us how to obey? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now listen, children, I am going to give you an opportunity for you to disobey your parents. Here is the one out that you have. If your parents are asking you to obey in such a way that would be disobedient to God, then you are free to not obey. Everything else falls under the umbrella of you must obey your parents. And let me just remind you, your parents are dirty, rotten sinners themselves. You can tell them right now if you want. <laughs> they need a Savior too. They're going to fail from time to time. Every single parent in this room has failed. Every single parent has fallen short. But if we are called to obey, if, if, our, if, if we are given instructions that follow in line with God's ways, then we are called to obey, whether our parents do it in the right way or not. Why? Because we're not ultimately doing it for our parents. We're doing it for the glory of God. Parents, expect your children to honor you. Look at verse 3. We'll start in verse 2, honor your father and mother, that this, this is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Parents, there's a reason why we should expect our kids to honor us. Honoring comes with a blessing. Honoring comes with a blessing. Let me first point out in verse 1, we, I left out a phrase intentionally. We are to obey your parents. How? In the Lord. Why? It's right. It's right to obey. It's, it pleases God. It's good to do that. And when we honor our parents, God's word says things go well for us. This is common, basic knowledge. This is not like a gift to you as if like, hey, if you do this, I'm going to give you a gift. This is the natural consequence. Things go well, way better for you as children when you follow your father and your mother's instructions. This is how life goes. When I discipline my children, I, I quote this just about every time, Ephesians 6. And I ask them while I'm disciplining them, are things going well for you right now? And never has one said, oh yeah, they're great. About to be disciplined. I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. No. They say, no, things aren't going well. I was like, why? Because I chose to disobey you. I disobeyed you, so things aren't going well. Yes. Listen, God is good. And he wants us to follow his ways, but when we choose to rebel against authority, now we don't get into all of this conversation, be deep, but that's the gist of it. Like when we, when we choose to disobey the authority that God has given us, it leads us to darkness. It leads us down a good path. But when we choose to follow the ways of God, we are blessed. We obey our parents. We are blessed. Listen, we, we must understand that God is serious about children obeying their parents. I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy. 
So this is towards the beginning. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 21. I, I want you to see the severity of what can come to a person when they disobey their parents. Deuteronomy 21, starting in verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gates of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now who wants to reinstate this? <laughs> Hopefully you say no. Listen, now we may look at this and think, man, that doesn't sound like a very loving God to me. And I would challenge you with this. You don't understand how holy God is. And you don't understand how dangerous the rebellious heart of a child is. If he grows up and refuses to bow his knee to the authority of God. Listen, the reason why this is, doesn't take place anymore is because there was a perfect son who did perfectly obey his father. And through his obedience, ultimately, was willing to die on the cross for the sins of every person who would ever believe. God is serious about rebellion against authority. And when we choose to disobey, there are consequences. And when we choose to obey, there is great fruit. Just, just think about, though, Think about the history of the Old Testament. From the beginning of creation, rebellion has been the theme, hasn't it? It even starts with Satan thinking he somehow he was something special, better than God, and so he was an angel cast out of, of heaven because of his rebellion to authority. That leads to the garden. Adam and Eve had one negative thing, one thing they weren't supposed to do. They had all this freedom Except for one thing, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet, they chose to rebel against their authority. And because of that sin, all of us are born in rebellion. This theme continues all throughout the Old Testament. As God has his chosen people, the Israelites. And it came to the point where the Israelites are looking around and thinking, man, all these nations have earthly kings. And they rejected they're heavenly king. And they're like, give us Saul. We don't want you as God. We want Saul. Let me ask you, how did that go? Not well. You might argue, well, I mean, then they got David, right? David was an adulterer. David took the woman of the man who was in, in, at war, where, by the way, David should have been, slept with her, got her pregnant, and then had her husband, the leader of the army, killed. I wouldn't call David a great king. I would call God merciful to use a broken man. And then you get Solomon, who apparently was the wisest man in the world, but yet had 700 wives. 
How wise is that? We fail at one wife, let alone 700. And then you just go on. That was, that was, kind, of the, that was kind of the highlights for the Israelite kings. From, from there on, it was like this. And then there was a king who was worse, who didn't follow the ways of the God. And then there was a king that was even worse than that. And then there was the worst ever king. And then there was a good king. And then there was a worst. And all throughout, you just see this continual rebellion. And there, there were some prophets in, that you read, kings that found stuffed in a wall the commands of God are like, what is this? We need to get back to this. Because the people just had rebelled and put away God's word. Ultimately, it led to the, to the Israelites being exiled. Rebellion has been the theme since the beginning. This is why it is so critical that we have the opportunity as parents to teach our children. Listen, it's not a, it's not a factory. We don't make factory-made children. We're not guaranteed by being the best parents we can be, raising them up in the Lord, that they, that they come to the point when they move out of the house that they're going to follow the Lord. That's not guaranteed. But what, we're say, what we, we see here is do everything that you can to help them understand there is, there is great things when we follow the ways that God has for us. There's so much disrespect in our world today. And this is why there is so much crying, refusing to respond appropriately to the God-given authority in our lives. Now, looking back then at Ephesians 6, there's a tricky saying here. It says that it may go well with you and you will live long in the land. Now, now here's, here's what it's not saying. It's not saying that it's a guarantee. This is like, this is like, a, it's like the book of Proverbs was written... For it was a wisdom thing. Like, look, generally speaking, you follow these things. This is generally what would happen. Generally speaking, if you're a good person, you obey your parents, you're generally going to live a long life. And those often who are dying are criminals. Like, godly people die at young ages. This is why it's not saying this. Generally speaking, though, those who have come to respect the authority that God has placed over their lives generally live a long life. Life. Let me, let me give you this perspective. Here are some statistics, and they, they vary. They're from different places, but th- this is the statistics of, of people who have come from fatherless homes. Just listen to, to this. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. That's five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 90 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the average. Brothers and sisters, do you see now why we need to expect our children to honor us. It sets the rest of their lives up for better chances of success, of understanding more clearly the necessity to come under the authority of God and His Word. Honoring comes with a blessing. There's one more piece here. Last point. Look at verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction 
of the Lord. Last point, don't make it difficult for your children to obey. Don't make it difficult for your children to obey. Now, I know this specifically addresses fathers here. And certainly fathers play, as, as I just read those statistics, fathers play a major role in the lives of children, a massive role, whether they're involved or not. But we should not just look at this as for fathers only. So, so mom, sorry, you're still expected not to provoke your children to anger. So what does it mean to provoke? It means to make someone angry. Uh, the phrase provoke to anger is one word in the Greek. Uh, CSB translates it this way. It says, don't stir up anger. I, I, what I picture is like the younger brother or sister, the younger sibling, you know, who's just poking. You know what I mean? Over and over again, just poking, 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 and to the point where you explode. Like this is, this is the idea of provoking. Don't keep poking your kids. Don't keep poking them over and over and over again. Eventually, they're going to snap. In other words, do what you can to be a help so that your children have the best chance to obey. Don't make things challenging for them. Listen, we need to understand there should be a major maturity difference between us and our kids. We've lived a lot longer. We should be acting much differently than our kids do. How often, though, do we expect our kids to act like us, or at least how we think we should be acting, even though we don't often do that? So often our expectations that our three-year-olds should act like 21-year-olds. So how, how do we provoke our kids to anger? Let me, let me just share a few thoughts with you on, as I thought. Like, how do, how, do, how do I provoke my kids? And, and one thing I came to, to realize is that we, I provoke my kids. We provoke our children when we lack grace. We provoke our children when we lack grace grace. Saturdays are a challenge at the Hurt House. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with spiritual battle. I mean, think about it. I'm getting ready to preach the next morning. How, how could I discourage the pastor? Well, let's just make things crazy at home and have him do something stupid so he feels like an idiot walking and coming and standing up in front of the people. Uh, one, one, another thing that makes Saturday stressful, it's our cleanup day. Uh, I like to clean up, especially the house, and get the house to a place where on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon when we get home, I'm usually exhausted, we can just relax and chill. So yesterday was no different. Uh, that's the way the day started. And, and here's a little backstory uh, that led to some frustrations. Uh, I was at a preaching conference with some leaders of our church for a few days, and so I was gone out of the house. And not only that, but uh, Nikki's a part-time teacher, so she teaches full days every other day. And so for two of those days that I was gone, she's working, and you know, there's seven of us, and we can create quite the mess. All it takes is one, right? Uh, we can create quite the mess. And so uh, there's a lot of catching up to do with just the busyness of the week. And on top of that, we have baseball going on, and one son had to be taken to a, on, a, on a trip, for eighth grade trip. It was just crazy. And as I look around, as I looked around our house, it, man, what a mess. How are we going to get this done? And you know how it is, right? You gather the kids. All right, kids, it's time to clean the house. And there's cheers, right? No. <laughs> Jeers, maybe. No cheers. And, and it's amazing, right? You, like you, you, it, it's time to clean up. And all of a sudden, it's shower time as well. Well, Dad, I, I really need to take a shower. I really have to. I, 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 
it's been a while. <laughs> or all of a sudden they have to go to the bathroom. You know, like, like, wait a minute here. You had all that time before messing around, and now you have to go to the bathroom. Well, I'm not feeling so good. My tummy hurts. I need to, like, this is what happens. And it, it's frustrating. And so I'm tired because I slept on a different bed that wasn't mine. And, and so I'm, I'm just exhausted from the days I'm gone. And, and I'm just getting short with the kids because they're fighting. And, and one person's always cleaning up and the others never clean up. You know how it goes, right? And, and so I'm just kind of getting, getting on the kids and jumping at them and kind of snapping. And, and, and finally, uh, one of my children just reached out. I was like, Dad, could you just be a little kinder to us? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, God has a way of pricking your heart, and I had to stop. I sought forgiveness, and they, and they graciously, quickly provided it. Have you ever found that my kids forgive so much quicker than I do them? Another way that we provoke is when we yell at them. Does yelling really accomplish anything? Really, what it does, ultimately, is it, it leads our children to be afraid of us when they really, what they need is to experience a place of love and concern. Now, now from time to time, this does not mean that uh, there are times when we need to be stern. But listen, Scripture calls for us to speak the truth in love. We don't get a pass because they're our kids, and so therefore we can yell at them because they need to obey, because that's what Scripture says. Scripture also says, James 1, 19 and 20, we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, because anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. Have you ever grieved, like me, that it is easier to be patient with those who are not in our family? It's easy for me to speak the truth and love to you guys. It's easy to be kind to you guys, but it's, it's a challenge sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I get the truth right in my house, but it's not in love. Brothers and sisters, the, the scriptures say, let your speech always be seasoned with salt. Gracious. That, that infers that your family should be a place where gracious, seasoned words are given. We want to see our kids thrive in this world through obedience, starting with us, and ultimately, Lord willing, obeying their heavenly Father. But that, that, that part of thing, it, what I've just discussed, not responding in anger, that is the reactive side. So we, we got to be careful that when we, the way we react to our children reflects the gospel. But it's not just about reaction. It's also about being proactive. Look at what the text says here. Not only are we to not provoke in anger, but the positive thing, what we're supposed to be doing is to bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are called to train up our children in Christ. We are called to teach them the word of God and teach them to follow his ways. We aren't just called to provide for them. We aren't just called to give them a shelter. We aren't just called to keep them safe. And let's be honest, when we follow God, forget about the word safe. 
We are called to take them to the Word of God. The, the way I, I see verse 4 put together is we are to live out the gospel both in word and in deed to our kids. Far too often I've heard of families who are raised well on the proactive side. Sitting down with their kids, going through scripture. But I've seen far too many people like that who fail miserably reactively. In other words, they're not practicing what they preach. Their life looks way different than the words that they say. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. Far better to be somebody who is reactively pursuing Christ. That means from the day-to-day, the natural interactions, the unplanned things are Christ-centered. I'd rather have that and struggle with the proactive than be proactively proclaiming Christ and yet with your life living a different life. Living one absent of the grace of God. So let me ask you, in your interaction with your kids, how, are, how do you respond to them reactively How do you respond to them proactively? In the dealings with your children, what would they say matters most? Would they look at you, even though you believe in a grace-based faith, is your acceptance of them based on the way they act? Is your love for them based on the way that they obey? Is your love for them based on their performance in academics, in sports? Listen, there are times where uh, you know, we have kids play sports. There are times when son shoots a basket and it doesn't go in, and I'm like, come on! There goes my retirement. <laughs> and I have to check myself. Like, I care far more about how he treats his fellow classmates, how he respects his teachers, how he loves people, than I do about any baskets he makes, any trophies he wins. Any honor rolls that he makes. Brothers and sisters, how do you respond to your kids? Do they know that you love Jesus, not just by your words, but how you live it out? I love what R.W. Dale said in his 1883 commentary on Ephesians. He said this, Parents should care more for the loyalty of their children to Christ than for anything besides. More for this than their health, their intellectual vigor and brilliance, their material, material prosperity, their social position, their examples from great sorrows and great misfortune. Exemptions from great sorrows and great misfortunes. Let me ask you, when it comes to your children, do you care more for the loyalty of their hearts to Christ than for anything besides? Don't answer that question without asking your kids. They'll tell you. So as we wrap up today, let me ask you, what does your home look like? Are you protecting your children from years of heartache by expecting them to honor you? Are you reminding them of the blessing that it is to live a life of obedience to the God-given authorities 
he has put over them. Listen, this is why, this is why people rebel against the church. They don't want to come under the authority of the elders. I'm not going to become a member. I'm not going to, I'm not going to link arms. I'm going to come in and I'm going to go instead of participating and in, in throwing in. I don't want to come under the, the, the leadership of the business I'm in, of the owners, because you know what? They're just a bunch of spoiled brats who take all the money themselves instead of realizing that we serve for the Lord. We'll get to that next week. There's a blessing when we live lives of obedience to the God-given authorities over us. Are you making it easy for your children to obey by living the gospel out both in word and deed? May God be the head of our homes as we point our families to Christ for the glory of God. Let me pray. Father, there's a certain heaviness to this message, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. There's a sobriety that we should take and evaluate our lives, Lord. What, what kind of homes are we creating? Lord, I, I know many homes who are obedient homes, but they're obedient out of fear and afraid for their life, afraid for, of a, being abused, afraid of being belittled, rather than obeying for the, out of love for the parents, because, Lord... Sometimes parents don't live what they preach. Lord, would you help us to live what we teach? God, I pray. I pray that you would be the center of our homes, God, that we would raise up our children in the way that they should live. And we ask by your mercy that when they are old, they would not depart from it, Lord. We are at your mercy, God. Sometimes we still choose to disobey even though we came from homes that pointed us to you. And so, God, we, we, just, we just need your mercy. Help us to do our part as parents to raise up the kid, our kids that you've given us in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, I thank you for your loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Lord, if there's repentance that needs to happen this, this morning, this afternoon, as we interact with our kids. Father, perhaps we're freshly reminded of the need to ask grown kids for forgiveness because we never did. Would you give us the boldness and the courage to do that, to humble ourselves? God, give us the grace to remind us that Jesus paid the price for our sin, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God, let us make changes this morning, Lord, that we would authenticate the message we proclaim, that the gospel would shine forth in our lives through word and in deed. I thank you for your grace and your mercies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me uh, leave you with a few action steps that you can put into practice. I uh, encourage you to memorize Ephesians 6, 1 and 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you will live long in the land. encourage you to spend some extra time, too, reading Deuteronomy chapter 6. Just a great uh, chapter. One of the things it talks about is basically like, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Parents, as you're walking, teach them the ways of God. As you're sitting, write them on your doorposts. Like, have God front and center. There's, there's, a, there's a certain part of society that wants to let their kids make their own decisions, and so they just, they don't push anything on them. They don't Tell them anything. Listen, if you're not going to proclaim the truth, they're going to hear it from somebody else. 
Thirdly, question to think about, is honor expected in your home? Is honor expected? Not over-demanding, but this should be expected. Why? Because there's a blessing in it, and it pleases God. And then for all of us there, submit to God's authority. Whatever authority God has established over you, I encourage you, submit to it. Well, as you exit, just want to remind you, um, we have pictures available for whoever wants those. Make sure you grab a card. There's some information we'll need you to fill out on that card, and you'll take that to to Bryce, who's taking pictures outside to the right, I think, is where they're going to be. And uh, all the ladies here, girls included, we have gifts for you. We have a a notebook uh, and some flowers, I think, out there for you. I'd love just to bless you. So whether you're a mother or not, we want to bless you. There's, There's a unique way that God has created women, and I thank God that women are not like men. Amen? Can we say, just give an amen to that? There's a, there's a unique gifting that in just the way God has made women, that uh, even those who haven't been mothers, the, how motherly women have been in my life throughout the years. I'm thankful for a great mom, but also those who have influenced me in a positive way. So, church, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Have a great week.